Hello and welcome to Tokyo English. My name is CY, and you can find me on my website at tokyostationpens.com, on my Instagram at tokyostationpens, and on Twitter at tokyostationmnh. And my name is Jacob. I'm Foodafan on Instagram and on Twitter, and have a blog at foodafan.com. And this is episode 32. Uh, welcome, welcome, everybody, once again. Thank you so much for、uh, being in attendance.、Um, really, really happy to be here with you. Jacob, how has been,、uh, how's been your two weeks? It's been working a lot. The last weekend was pretty tough, but、uh, finally a normal weekend again. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome.、Um, and, you know, Jacob, we have,、uh, we have some traditions on this podcast. I'm aware of those. You're aware of the traditions. So I'm going to read out some,、um, some reviews because we have really nice listeners who give us really great reviews. So I'm going to read them out. And、um, the first one that I want to read is from Kwesi1102 via Apple Podcasts, the United States of America. And the title is Excellent Podcast for Fountain Pen Enthusiasts. Five stars. CY and Jacob, bravo for such an amazing podcast. I learn so much from you two and your guests every episode. As a fountain pen podcaster myself, I know how much work go,、uh, goes into what you do, so、I'm, I really commend you for the research and effort you put in to make Tokyo Inklings accessible and fun. Can't wait to make it to Japan one day and go to these stores and shows with you. Well, thank you so much, Kwesi1102.、Uh, you, um, you gotta send us a DM about、um, which、uh, fountain pen podcast you make so that we can go check it out. Yeah, definitely. Right.、Um, thank, you, thank you very much. The next one is from StacyBean59 via Apple Podcast,、uh, the United States of America. The title is Excellent! Exclamation、uh, mark. Five stars. Uh, this is a unique and delightful foray into the universe of Japanese pens, inks, paper, and culture. Thanks to you, CY, Jacob, and wonderful guests for your unique content, extensive knowledge, and excellent podcast. Wow, very, very nice. Thank you so much for that. We're happy to hear that. Yes, indeed. We are super, super happy. And if you want your,、uh, your review to be read,、um, please、uh, go on to Apple Podcasts and,、uh, and leave us a review. Uh, five stars would be preferred, but you know, if some people have given us、uh, one star reviews, we, I think we've gotten two one star reviews. <laughs> but,、um, but you know,、uh, honest review, give some feedback about、uh, how we can improve. And yeah, we're always、uh, open to that. You can also leave some comments after every single episode at our website, tokyoinklings.com, which by the way is maintained by Jacob. He's a very uh, talented um, web manager. For our sure, but,、uh, <laughs> it's a neglected website, but, but someday we will <laughs> get updated. Yes,、um, but you can,、uh, you can also leave us a comment there and,、uh, and have a discussion with your fellow listeners. So,、um, let's get right into the heart of it because I know we've got a lot of things to cover today, Jacob.、Uh, yeah. Let's start with some acquisitions because I think you and I both had some acquisitions. Yeah. Uh, and you received a pen back from、uh, Bocamondo. Yeah, so last time I said I had a Bocamondo pen on its way, but I didn't say more than that.、Um, and since then, I've gotten this pen, and I think maybe some listeners may have seen it in my feed, but let me still explain what it is. So,、um, so Hiroko wants 
to be able to work on pilot capless pens or VP pens because she knows those are very popular. The problem with capless pens is that you need to remove the clip and thus the entire like nose cone part in order to do an Arushi treatment. And it's not trivial to do that. Uh, there are some instructions online. I think Richard Binder has it on his, his website, but it's not nearly as simple as say, you know, removing a Pruger clip. And I will say that these uh, these instructions they already look very complicated, and I have to say, doing it in real life is actually a bit more complicated than those instructions because I've tried and I have not been able to get my camera right. um, clips off. Right. So I happen to have a secondhand uh, capless pen, uh, so I told her that she could use this pen as a guinea pig. You know, if she can remove the clip. Great. If it gets damaged in the process, then, you know, don't worry about it. So uh, she took the pen and she tried to remove the, the, um, the clip and nose cone and it actually worked. And since she was able to remove it, we said it would be cool to do some kind of Urushi design on it. Right. And I can't remember if it was her idea or mine, but um, we had this vague idea about something with a Swedish theme. Uh, probably something like yellow and blue. So I found some photos for inspiration, including Sweden's national emblem and some medals and decoration from uh, Sweden's like, royal orders of uh, knighthood. <laughs> uh, so very vague, but that was, you know, the inspiration. Um, she took that and she ended up making a blue Karanuri design. So blue with like these speckles. And... Um, and as usually with her recent designs, there's a bit of aluminum powder on it, so it sparkles a bit, especially when you when you rotate the pen. But then there is, she ended up making this like motif on the barrel, like a small crown or a coronet that's filled with gold dust. I think that 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 one is from the national emblem. Um, so it looks, and since the pen has gold trims, and uh, the this motif looks quite good. It's an overall good combination and. I honestly wasn't quite sure what to expect since the since the photos was quite vague, but uh, I was very pleasantly surprised again. And we'll we'll put we'll put a link in in the show notes. Yeah, I, I think that um, the only unfortunate thing about the pen is that the uh, the crown doesn't align to the clip. Right. And I think uh, Hiroko mentioned that um, she thought she had made sure that they aligned but you know the final thing uh didn't align and i think i suggested that you can put in an o-ring mm. uh on the on the threads to make the make the the screw a bit tighter yeah and that way you should be able to align that crown but um i have to say it's it's quite a nice uh it's quite a nice pen um this doesn't mean that hiroko is open to doing works with motifs though right yeah, so there are two things here. She, uh, I, it's hard. She some, she's sometimes open to do it. Um, I think this time she, uh, there was a reason why she wanted to do this as an ex- experiment. I can't remember what it was. But but also with capless pens, um, she has tried a few capless pens now. She's tried to remove the nose cone. And the success rate hasn't been 100%. So for that reason, she is understandably not comfortable doing this operation on customer pens yet uh, but she is considering we've been discussing and she's considering buying a few capless pens 
and trying to remove the the nose cone and and if it's successful she might sell that so that might be an option for customers who want a capless pants with a rushi right but what about the motifs it's hard to say hard to say uh, i asked her specifically about this one and she said probably not but um uh, because because right now her her, uh, her queue her waiting list is is very long but it's she might be open to do that eventually because uh what i'm understanding is that she doesn't want to um spend a lot of time going back and forth uh with the customer about the specific motifs and you know customers always have one image of a motif and then the real thing turns out to be maybe a little bit different and i think she's a bit uh cognizant of that so to my knowledge she's always been avoiding doing motifs there are two things here right so first of all it takes her a lot of time to communicate in english now she has she she's getting help with english communication from some uh, various people so maybe that's partially a solved problem now. but the other problem is that People usually want something fairly intricate, some like university uh, logo or whatever, and and she's not sure she's able to recreate that in Rushi, right? But if she's already done it once, then sometimes she's willing to do it again. So, for example, she did this uh, snowflake once as an experiment, and since she did it successfully once, uh, she was okay to do it a few more times for other pens. All right, all right. So that's uh, that's good information. Um, anything else that you've gotten in recently? Uh, I think I got some more pilot pens, but I can't remember which ones I got. <laughs> I've gotten some uh, some pens in as well, and um, I'll just spend a brief uh, minute talking about them. Uh, sure. The first one that I want to talk about is um, Yoseka's pen. So oh, yes. Yoseka collaborated with Sailor, um, and of course Yoseka is a small kind of boutique-ish uh stationery shop uh, out in New York and they've collaborated with Sailor uh, to create a uh, Pro Gear Slim. Now I think this is notable for several reasons. First of all, it's not the first time that Sailor has done a shop exclusive uh, for a US store. That's not the first time. Uh, but as far as I'm aware, it is the first time that they've done a shop exclusive finial. Um, ah. so that was really, really cool. Um, right. and I asked, they, they actually did a, uh, a pen with Sailor and ink with Ink Institute as well. Uh, and then they had some pins. So the, the pen is limited edition. And once they sell out, they're not going to have any more. Uh, the ink, uh, is special edition. So, uh, they can get more if they want to in the future. Um, and Yoseka, if you're listening to this and I get any of this wrong, please do let me know. Um, but, uh, after I found out that they were in fact limited edition and not special edition, um, I, uh, decided to grab one in Zoom, uh, for, for Akane. Um, and, um, I've ground it down to something akin to a, uh, cross concord. So, um, a regular Concord nib, if you, if you go and buy a Concord nib, that's just bent downwards, right? Right. Um, but a cross Concord is not bent at all. A cross Concord nib is just two 
uh, nibs stacked one on top of each other. And it's, it's kind of an upside down cross music, right? Kind of, in a way. I, I would say it's more of like a um, upside down cross point. Mm. But what's interesting, I think, about the uh, cross concords is that the the tipping kind of bends downwards a bit and kind of looks like a bird's beak. Yeah. And so I tried to recreate that grind um, on a single layer zoom nib. And uh, I was successful in doing it. And it, it's very, very nice. Uh, I really like it. And I think, you know, there's always been an idea uh, from um, from uh, Itoya portfolio that I think 1911 shapes sell better. So a lot of the U.S. exclusives up till now have been 1911s. Now, um, they recently came out with uh, uh, Too Hot Habanero, and that mm. was a pro gear with a custom finial. Mm. But I think most of the limited editions, you know, Wicked Witch of the West, uh, you have the Loch Ness Monster, you have the uh, Sailor Pen of the Year 2020, uh, 2021, and those were all 1911s. So I'm hoping that uh, that they do two things. One, I hope that Yoseka's success shows that the Pro Gear uh, is a very popular model and is probably more geared towards collectors who are going to buy multiple pens um, instead of the 1911, which is probably mm. more geared towards a single pen buyer. But, but that's interesting, right? Because um, a popular opinion in the community is that a lot of people seem to prefer flat top pens. But then, as you say, uh, maybe the sales numbers suggest that the the, the profit shapes sell, sell better. So maybe it's just a vocal minority that prefer flat tops while the silent majority prefer the profit shape. Well, I, I think that um, I think several factors come into this, right? One is availability. If the only thing that is available in your market is the round top 1911, then your sales are going to reflect that. That is a self-fulfilling prophecy the second part of the puzzle in my opinion is um the single pen buyer and the multi-pen buyer the single pen buyer buys one pen maybe for a gift or or for themselves but they they only buy one pen right and so um it's likely that these single pen buyers or um more traditional pen buyers uh want to have a more classic cigar shape that's true but what about buyers who buy more than 10 pens, right? More than 15 mm. pens. So there, I think there's a different trend uh, in terms of, of course, the masses, right? Maybe buy more round top. But right. you, when you think of, okay, who is this pen targeted for? If it's for a collector market, maybe flat tops are the way to go. So I hope that Yoseka's uh, success can prove this. Um, to Itoyo, uh, Itoya portfolio. And the second thing uh, I want to mention is that a lot of these UX exclusives seem to come in different sizes. They seem to come in both the full size and the slim size. So if you look at the uh, if you look at the um, the Loch Ness Monster mm-hmm. uh, Witch of the West, I think they had both sizes. Yeah. Um, I would much more prefer 
to see them concentrate on a single size for the release mm. rather than dilute the sales for multiple sizes. And then you can, you know, um, you know do some custom finials, um, something that is more of a draw rather than, um, rather than just a different color. One thing about sizing that I recently found confusing, I've noticed that various people call the uh, the full size pen, so the Profit 21 equivalent, they call it a standard size. But for us, calling that standard is rather confusing because for us, standard means the small one. Yes, and I think even in the US, standard is a small because they have the 1911L, which is large, which we call full size. Um, and then they have the 1911S, and the S doesn't stand for small. The S stands for standard. Because I've heard the term standard being used to, to describe the one in the middle, so not the, not the slim and not the, not the, the king size, but the middle one. Yeah, yeah. that would be incorrect. Um, but yeah, so, so um, really happy with this uh, Yoseika pen. And they were very, very nice. I bought uh, two of their uh, slim notebooks and they were very nice to um, send to me the original notebook that I believe you got, Jacob, I think two years ago from them. And I've actually been writing, I've been writing Chinese characters in conifer notebooks for, Mm. or not conifer notebooks, but rather they have a um, practice uh, loose leaf um, for, for Chinese characters. I've been writing that uh, Mm. in that for like 10 years. So, um, I'm really excited to to try the notebook. Um, but they told me that Conifer is discontinuing the paper, so they have had to discontinue that notebook. Ah, uh, so that's the reason. Because I remember, yeah, as you say, they, they came up with a new notebook fairly recently, the Slim one. So the Slim uses different paper, right? So the big one that I got was called like Conifer KB, yeah, KBC or KBU2, I believe. Some numbers. <laughs> yes, some numbers. Um, and I also heard somewhere that that would be, be discontinued. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so I'm gonna hopefully be able to uh, try out the Yoseka paper. Mm. Um, but you know, really happy overall. It got to me within a week, and you know, I just want to say thank you so much to Yoseka. They're a wonderful uh, shop, and always looking forward to seeing what they've uh, what they've uh, you know have had in the in the shop um their stories their mm. content it's all really great yeah it's a very nice little shop and they, i think they do a particularly good job explaining like the the story behind products exactly um and they're, they're kind of like uh they feel more like a family you know um, yes. they're not just trying to sell you a product but they, they're mm. trying to sell you into this overall lifestyle yeah all right. Um, the second thing that I want to talk about uh, are conids. That's right, not conid, but conids. Um, so uh, I was very lucky to be able to acquire two conids. Um, the first one is a regular in titanium section uh, in full demonstrator, uh, and that means that that will be my second uh, conid regular. And uh, and then on top of that. Uh, one of our uh, good friends in the U.S. Mm. Um, sent to me or sold to me a Conid Antwerp pen. So this is the red Conid King size in the uh, red Juma material. And I have to say, you know, Conid 
the 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 pens are very well built. You know, you, you you're holding the pen and um, especially the king size. I have to say, just feels like a very quality pen. Interesting thing is that I don't think the king size is much larger than the than the regular. It uses a bigger size nib. It's um, a bit it more uses, girthy, right? Yeah, it's a bit more girthy, um, but it's not actually like longer. I think it's much. Right. It's a lot like the one four six and the one four nine. Um, but you know, I'm going to talk a little bit more about Conid later. Uh, but the bulk filling system is is quite nice uh, for me. It's quite uh, intuitive uh, to use. But yeah, I'm really happy with uh, with these pens. And now I have to sell some of my other pens that are uh, being less used. So need to need to start selling. So wait. So are you say, saying you're going to keep all your conids? I might sell one of them. Uh, it really depends. Um, on how I um, what I want to do with the original regular that I already had um, but let's see yeah the, the ideal would be to have a minimalistica a regular and a king size so I feel like Conims are the, the pen community's version of Bitcoin there's a lot of speculation going on and there's some wild price fluctuations yeah yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, so that's what we have for acquisitions today. Right. Um, and we have quite some uh, saucy, let's say, yeah, saucy uh, content for you today. The first one, and I have limited knowledge on this, but Jacob, it's to my understanding that you called Tomoegawa about the, a certain rumor. So let's take a step back first. So yeah, there's been a bit of uh, like rumors and speculation about um, Tome River recently. And I think both you and I have had various people, we've had people contacting us, asking us if we knew more and so on. And as you, and as you know, I had a day off uh, earlier this, this, this week. So I spent a little bit of time trying to see what I could find out about it. So. Um, yeah, let me just explain what I found and maybe you can add your findings on top of that. So just to start with a background. So, you know, there's this company Tomogawa, right? And Tomogawa is the company that developed and manufactures Tomo River. And they, they've been around for like well over 100 years. They're listed on Tokyo Stock Exchange and they started doing like paper making. And since then, they have diversified into various industries. But they put out an announcement two years ago in 2019, saying that as part of our cost reduction and consolidation activities, we're going to shut down one of our paper making machines uh, called the the Shizuoka number seven paper machine. And that happens to be the machine that made Tome River at the time. But then they said... um, Regarding Tomo River specifically, we're going to move the bulk of the production to another machine that we have, the Shizuoka Number no. 9 machine. And that's when this whole discussion about old Tomo River and new Tomo River started. So both old and new Tomo Rivers made by the same company, Tomoegawa, same location in Shizuoka, but in two different machines. Right? So, so that, that's sort of the, the background. And then fast forward to this year and to April. So there was another announcement last month by a company called Sakai Technical Paper. 
And we've talked about them before, but they co-developed, according to Tomogawa, they co-developed this Tomo River paper. Uh, and they sell their own paper products. So they sell notebooks and loose leaf paper. And especially in Japan, if you buy a Tomo River notebook or loose leaf paper, you're almost guaranteed to buy something with a Sakai logo on it, right? And they put out an announcement last month saying that all of these to Tomo River SKUs that we have are going to be discontinued uh, soon because we no longer have access to the paper. And that's when people understandably got very worried. Like that's where the rumor started. And not long after that, uh, Kingdom Note, one of our fam favorite retailers, they tweeted that uh, we're going to stop selling these Tomo River products, so buy them now while you can. And people started pa panic buying Tomo River, right? So, so that, that's, that's the situation <laughs> we are in right now. So I contacted Sakai Technical Paper this, this week and I asked them, was your announcement about all of your Tomo River products or was it only the old Tomo River? Or does it also cover new Tomo River that made in the number nine machine? And I specifically asked them about that. Are you also discontinuing what's made in a number nine machine? And they, they told me that our announcement is specifically about old Tomo River. So Tomo River made by the number seven machine. And um, loose leaf paper made in the number nine machine, so the new Tomo River will continue. But, here's the but, they're saying that we have heard that Tomogawa plans to shut down the number nine machine as well in September this year. So hearing that, I went to Tomogawa's website. So like all listed companies, they have a section worth with like investor relations, right? And there were two interesting documents there published just one week ago. One document was the earnings report for the financial year ending in March. And in this earnings report, you can see that um, the company as a whole is not doing that well, but their paper business in particular is really struggling. So their sales are down like 15% and they are deep in the red. They lost like four, almost 400 million yen um, last year just, just in the paper division. And they are explaining in this report that this is a declining business. has been declining for a while, but the, the COVID uh, pandemic has accelerated that. But also... Also, we, we are struggling with aging, costly machines. So that is the background to the second document, which is the even more interesting one. So there's a new medium-term management plan for Tomogawa. And in this plan, they're basically explaining how they're going to get the company back on its feet. And they are outlining various initiatives, including some like new products and some new initiatives. But they're also outlining various cost savings measures. And, it, and one of the specific ones that they are outlining in this public report is that they are going to shut down the number nine machine. So the machine that makes new Tomo River by the end, before the end of this financial year. And they, and they did not explain or they did not outline any plan to move production. So based on this. We can't say for sure that production of Tomo River will stop, but what we can say for sure is that the machine that currently makes Tomo River is going to be decommissioned. And we know that the whole paper business for Tomogawa 
is a declining business. So it's not clear that there's, it's going to be worth it for them to move that production. But one silver lining, one reason to be maybe a little bit hopeful is that in the very same report, they're talking about how they are working on new, smaller and more efficient papermaking machines. So there's at least a glimmer of hope here that they might move production of Tomo River to one of the new and cost-effective machines. Right. So uh, what I hear is um, several uh, different things, mm. and I, you know, I don't know too much other than this one guy um, who posted on the Fountain Pen Network on Facebook, um, which basically corroborates with uh, with what you have said. Mm. Um, a few notes here. The first is that uh, when I read this, I realized that I had never used the so-called new Tomoe River mm. paper yet, because uh, because I think you said as well, Sakai never used Sakai Technical never used the uh, number nine machine um, in their products. So, sorry, just one thing about that. So what they told me is that production of new Tomoe River will continue for now, but that is only loose leaf paper. They didn't say specifically that that is Sakai branded loose leaf paper or someone else selling loose leaf paper, but it's possible that there are Sakai branded loose leaf paper with new Tomoe River. But they are not, they are, you're right, there are no notebooks from Sakai technical paper with new Tomoe River paper. Right. And I only use the Sakai technical notebook. So um, I even, uh, you, know, you know, I was talking to Brad Dowdy last year. Uh, mm. He had me on an interview on one of his, uh, his membership podcasts. And he said, you know, what do you think about the new and old Tomoe River? I said, well, you know what? I can't tell a difference. Well, now I know why, because I had been using the old Tomoe <laughs> River all along. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... Uh, other companies apparently did make uh, notebooks with the new Tomoe River, mm. um, but I have not had the pleasure to try those. So that's the first thing. The second thing is I do have a huge stockpile of Tomoe River notebooks. I'm sure you Sakai do. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the only thing that I regret is not buying more of the 62 GSM because I think that's a really, really good paper. Um, so that's uh, that's what I, I heard. The 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 thing that I think will be interesting is the future production of mm. Hobonichi notebooks because yeah. they're famous for using Tomoe River. Yeah, but I'm sure. I mean, there there are plenty of like techo like paper options that they, they they have to choose from. So I, I'm sure that they will find something fairly similar. Another thing. Worth mentioning is that Sakai Technical Paper are themselves saying that we are currently developing uh, replacement products. We don't know exactly what those replacement products will be and how similar they will be, but but they are developing something that is meant to replace Tomo River. Right, but given the outcry that there was in the first change in yeah. Tomo River production. Um, I understand that there are many alternatives out there. So uh, we've said on the podcast, um, for example, I particularly like the new Kokuyo paper, the Zara Zara 
uh, right, paper. Right. I really like that. But it doesn't show the shading mm. um, as well. Um, you have Grafilo, which I think is the, the closest competitor. But, you know, they, they are still different products. And I think I don't think um, Grafilo makes in as large quantities as Tomura River used to. And it's quite expensive. Yeah, it's quite expensive. Um, you know, you have Cosmo Air Light, which everybody's talking about. But personally, I hate that paper because it actually um, draws out the ink too much. Um, and then you have the, the various bank papers. So uh, mm. so you had um, you had the Takasago uh, Bank, which mm. I kind of enjoy. But again, it doesn't show the shading as well. Now, given that uh, in at least the fountain pen community, mm. um, there's quite an emphasis on paper. And even if Hobonichi were to have found an alternative, I think that, you know, there would be many, many people who might not be happy about it. And one of the advantages I think that Hobonichi had over Jibin Techo is that um, Hobonichi uses Tomoe River and Jibin Techo uses a paper that bleeds with fountain pens. Well, so with with uh, Jibun Techo, like, there are a few different types of refills, right? So there's one called the uh, the idea refill, which is this graph paper. Up until recently, the that idea refills they used Tomoe River. They recently changed from Tomoe River to Kokio's own developed paper, which is supposed to have certain advantages. Well, it doesn't curl as much, I think. Um, right. Yeah. But up until but recently, it was Tomoe River. Yeah. So I'm having a feeling that maybe because Jibin Techo is a huge that that's like a huge brand, right? Yeah. So that probably um, had a big impact on Tomoe Gawa's uh, um, financials losing that account. So uh, yeah, I guess overall. Um, first, I'm happy that I got my five-year, uh, five-year, uh, <laughs> Hobonichi, uh, when I did, because then I can use it for the next five years. Um, second, I think I, I'll need to have to ex- explore some alternatives to Tomoe River, because that's the paper that I do all of my pen testing on. Mm-hmm. It's what I, I, you know, write with uh, at work. So I'm a bit, I'm not very happy about the news, but, you know. That is what it is. I, I think though, I think there's so much good, so much interesting paper out there, and I think if if this means people are more willing to try various other types of paper, whether that is you know, logical airlight, Midori MD, uh, Life, Apica, you know, whatever it may be, maybe maybe this is maybe this is a good time for paper makers. Maybe people will find some new interesting favorites. Because another thing related to that is people... I mean, we always have this one word, like fountain pen friendly. right? But that means different things to different people. You have to unpack that idea to see, okay, are you talking about the texture? Are you talking about the show through? Are you talking about the dry time? Are you talking about how ink pulls up and like, results in sheen, right? And depending on what features you're interested in you might find different types of paper more appealing to you so personally for example i really like a good texture i like relatively fast dry time and minimal show throughs i tend to gravitate toward midori md for that reason yeah um i think when 
when you consider that um, Conifer is this discontinuing that paper with a lot of numbers in it, um, you know, Tomoeva River already once moving production to a different machine due to cost, and then now saying that you know after a year and a half they're going to discontinue it completely. Um, I think the silver lining is that Sakai Technical is developing an alternative, mm. but um, I'm not sure I can call it a good thing for paper manufacturers. I do agree that there are a lot of interesting papers out there, but you know, there was a a group of manufacturers who who did maybe produce paper that is more expensive than the standard run-of-the-mill Kokyo campus paper, but that worked really, really well for a small group of users. Mm. And I feel like we're seeing less of that rather than more. I think we're seeing more um, more of the various different paper types, but those papers, I feel, don't serve this... Um, group of users as well. I'm not sure if you know Tomogawa discontinuing I mean, shutting down their machines should be seen as an indication that you know the like the the industry is is not doing well. It might be just that the it's mainly about their aging machinery and not so much about their sales because they don't break down their paper sales by types. So I don't know how much. I don't know if this decline is, has anything to do with Tomo River or, or with the other types. My suspicion is that this is more about their expensive aging machinery because if, if it's worth it for, say, Cochlear and a few other manufacturers to spend the time to develop all new paper types, right, then that suggests that there, there's, there's, it's worth doing it for other manufacturers as well. But Kokuyo is specifically a stationer, right? Like they specifically make stationary products. Whereas I think Tomoe River stationary products is a very small part of their business. I think they're making like um, they're making like con- conducive fiber carbon sheets, right? They're, they're more well. Both like- of these companies are very big in diversified. Right? So I mean, Kokia builds entire offices, like office furniture and stuff, right? So so they have all kinds of businesses as well. Right. Well. Um, you know, I think only time can tell, I guess. Mm. It, it's really cliche, but uh, but only time can tell. As far as I see, um, you can still see uh, Tomoe River on Tomoe Gawa's, um, Gawa's website. Yeah. But, you know, you know, going back to the point of, yes, they are very diversified yeah. companies, but if you go to Tomoe Gawa's website on the top of it it says they make um electronic parts yeah exactly so um by the way one more thing about you know the paper going away we have been hearing for the last maybe five years that uh one of kobe house papers uh like lisio lisio one i can't pronounce it is going to be discontinued because the, the the machine broke or whatever and they can't replace it or they can't repair it this paper has been around now for yeah at least five years since that announcement and is still readily available, easy to find. So I'm not sure if Tomo River will disappear from the shelves that fast. Yeah, um, but I did go to Marisen today and 
they didn't have the 62 GSM uh, notebook installed. But that one in general, I think, has always been a bit harder to find in Japan. I think that was introduced fairly recently compared to the 52. Yeah, but they used to have a huge section of Tomoe River notebooks, right? Uh, that was on the very top of the shelf. They had at least, I think, uh, four different sections for Tomoe River. That has actually been downgraded to a small section that's about a third of what it used to be. So maybe, so maybe there is maybe there's panic buying happening now. There's the, it, it's the new toilet paper. <laughs> it's the new toilet paper. Anyways, next topic uh, we have is about the Moonman Q1 and Moonman in general. Uh, I think let's talk about the Moonman Q1 and then sure. we can go into the various uh, um, kind of um, peripheral but yet central uh, themes. Go ahead. Yeah. So the Moonman Q1 is basically the remake of a Tombow egg. Yeah. And I'm actually a bit unhappy with you, Jacob, because you went and ordered one by yourself. Because I, well, I well, sent this to... What did you want to... me to do? It's, it's free shipping. <laughs> I, I sent I sent this to the group, and I was like, hey, look at this. Isn't this really cool? And then, you know, we had, like, different people saying, yeah, I want one, I want one. So I think we had, like... Um, we had like three three people wanting one, and then you went off and ordered your own. I wanted one as soon as possible. I have FOMO. Yeah, so um, I think I ordered one uh, not long after that as well. Right. So hopefully we'll be getting that in. But I think um, I think they actually did the Tombow egg better than the Tombow egg. Well, the the colors are certainly more interesting than the than the original. And it looks like it's using a number five nib. I'm a bit curious about that too. I looked at the nib and I agree that given the, the dimensions, it's probably number five, but I didn't recognize the uh, like the uh, engraving. Of, and maybe there's a new Moonman nib, Moon nib that I just haven't seen before, but it looks slightly different from, for example, the, the, the nib in that other recent controversial Moonman pen. It have a different engraving. Yeah. Um, and lots of people have uh, texted me saying, would a pen like that even be comfortable to use in long writing sessions? Absolutely. That's the whole point. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and that's what I told them that, uh, that apparently, you know, I wasn't the product developer, so I don't know for sure. But apparently the Tombow Egg and the Platinum Glamour were created for older people to write longer sessions because uh, I think it's true that the, the smaller the pen, the harder you tend to grip it, even mm. subconsciously. So, you know, my ballpoint pens that are very slim, yeah. I feel that it's much harder to write with them. Absolutely. I, I agree. I, I can't use slim pens. Yeah. And I think this... Uh, there's uh, been another Moonman release called the Moonman C3. Right. And the Moonman C3 apparently looks like one of the Franklin Kristoffs um, because it's got the kind of uh, tapered ends that, that end in like a flat uh, top. And apparently uh, it looks a lot like a Franklin Kristoff 46. Go on. I'm not an expert on Franklin Christoph pants. Uh, I, I'm more than willing to say that I know what a 46 looks like. I'm, I, I, can, I, I can agree 
that there may be some inspiration here. I would not call it the copycat. Yeah, so that's what I said uh, on a pen addict Slack channel. Mm. And I'm not going to name names, you know, that's, I don't think that's productive. But, uh, but I, I, I said that I don't think, for what it's worth, I don't think that is a copy. Mm. At least it is no more a copy than a Sailor 1911 is a copy of Mont Blanc's 145. Right, uh, right. It is no more a copy than um, Omas, uh, the Omas Paragons of the older Wall Eversharps. Um, you know, we have tons of pens and, you know, just a few shapes. Yeah. So I think whether something is like a rip off or a copy should be measured in when you look at the pen, do you know that it's a Moonman? Or could you actually honestly mistake it for the other brand? And here's the thing. Moonman has done copies before, right? Yeah. The Moonman F9 is a direct copy of the Mont Blanc Vougenois, right? The the Moonman uh, M800 is a direct copy of the Leonardo uh, Momento Zero, right? So Moonman has done copies before. This pen, uh, I don't think, is a copy because first of all, the size of the nib is not the same. Mm. Uh, and the second of all, the uh, there there's a huge Moonman logo that's like slapped on the side of of this pen. So there's like zero percent chance that you can mistake this pen for being a Franklin Kristoff. Absolutely zero percent. And some people were saying, oh, but they even copied the threads that were uh, at the front of the section. Well, you know what? Lots of pens have this. My my Rouge et Noir has this. My uh, 1912, my Mont Blanc 1912 has this. You know, my uh, my safety fillers have this. So it, front threading is nothing new. Right. And um, I want to get to the point that we have many beloved brands, right? And Sailor, for example, is one of them. But the vast majority of Sailor pens are actually carbon copies of other specifically European brands. So the the Rialo is a carbon copy of the Aurora 88. Um, and the Aurora official uh, Instagram uh, account actually liked my post breaking the two pens down so that's like literally a part for part copy of the pen and this was not just in the past i mean there are more more recent examples of uh, pens cop i mean western brands copying others so i mean one well-known one is the monteverde's monsai it's just a sailor pro color copycat right yep uh you know the Platinum uh, 3776, that's a copy of the 145. Um, even Sailor's 115th anniversary model, which we talked about on this web, uh, on this podcast, that is almost a part-for-part carbon copy of Ohashido pens, especially with the huge um, mm. rings around the cap, the cap ring and the body ring. Uh, except that Sailor um, Sailors doesn't have a clip. So, my point is that, look, there are many things you can criticize 
Chinese manufacturers about. Uh, perhaps it's that uh, their their finishing is not as good, or you know the the quality of their nibs are not as good. They only have steel nibs, um, whatever. But we, as you know, not you and I, but in terms of the greater I think fountain pen community, I think that we give specifically to Chinese manufacturers more grief than other manufacturers who are doing almost exactly the same thing as them. So we 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 praise Sailor even though, you know, mm. most of their pens are, are copies of European brands. Uh, but we condemn Moonmen. And I hear things like I will never buy a Moonman uh because they just copy <laughs> other brands. Yeah. Which which I think is a ridiculous statement to make because if you look at Omas, right? Omas is a very very storied company, but half their pens were copies of Parker and mm. Wall Eversharp. I have I have an Omas uh pen that that mm. I received. The clip is literally a an arrow clip that copied Parker, um, you know, and the the, the rest the their facet pens are copies of Wall Eversharps. So what is the point of of going on and on and on about Moonmen making uh, making pens that look similar? Yeah, the problem is specifically the the double standard, right? I mean, it, it it's fine to say. It's fine to say that 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 movement has done some um, modern homages to certain models, right? Which is true, but but you can't do that at the same time. Just neglect the fact that other brands have done similar things. Yeah, and and the same people that were talking about this Moonman and how is a copy and how they hate it um, were totally silent when, literally, forty eight hours later, I was like, oh well, the the one hundred fifteenth that's a copy of Ohashido. And the argument that was made to me was that, oh, but it's, you know, um, Chinese manufacturing, they have an advantage in you know, manufacturing costs, whatever, blah, blah, blah. That might all be true, that are copying uh, smaller manufacturers uh, which don't have the same uh, production capacity. But again, Ohashito, very small company. Um, I think it's maybe like one or two mm. people making pens. And you don't say anything about Sailor, mm. right? In the exact same channel. So I don't think that anyone is being racist. Um, I don't I don't think that that's what's happening. You know, it's not like, oh, you know, uh, I hate Chinese people, so Chinese manufacturing is bad. That, that's not what I'm saying, right? Mm. Um, although I'm sure there are people who do think like that. Um, I think the greater uh, the greater conversation is, are we saying this because they're a new company and they sell pens really cheaply because if we are those same arguments were made about japanese pens back in the the early 20s and uh, early 30s um almost a century ago Mm. right so you literally wouldn't have the japanese pen manufacturing industry if japanese manufacturers didn't copy brands like Onoto 
didn't copy brands like like Parker, mm. right? Platinum as a brand literally would not exist if they didn't copy Parker. Right, right. So I, I just have a huge issue with this double standard because I think that copying pens, right, you know, there are some, you know, moral arguments to be made. But overall, I think if the the place of manufacturer is not a huge um, is not a very well known or very mm. well regarded um, pen man, doesn't have a, a well regarded pen manufacturing industry, mm. right? Copying these designs can actually bring up the entire industry in that space. Whereas, I'm wondering: is this about gatekeeping designs? Is it is it about gatekeeping, or is it something else? Because because and here's the kicker, right? The people who are buying the Moonman pens are not the same people who buy the Franklin Kristoff pen, right? They're two different markets, and a lot of the times, right? If you buy an M800, that doesn't mean that you will never go and buy a Leonardo Memento Zero, mm. because if you buy an M800, I think two things happen. One is you are never in the financial position to buy a Leonardo Memento Zero anyways, so you saw an M800 and you bought mm. it, right? Second is maybe people like want to try out the shape before upgrading to uh, uh, Leonardo Memento Zero. So I think the second part, right, that's actually something that happens a lot more, especially in this hobby, where you, know, you might start with a Jinhao um, 51A and then, you know, Three years later, you've got a bunch of Parker 51s. Yeah, you, we yeah. see that happening all the time. So the market is different. Uh, the target is different. And I'm really not in favor of this kind of double standard. Mm. If we want to talk about Moonman copying, then we should talk. We should go after Pilot. We should go after Sailor. We should go after Platinum. We should go after Monteverde. We should go after Omas. Never buy an Omas again. So... Um, you know, I I just really don't like that kind of uh that kind of attitude. So Moonman is a very interesting case, I think, because I first heard about Moonman back in 2017, I think. So there was this blog, yeah, I'm sure you remember, uh, Frank Underwater. Yeah, it was this fantastic blog that you know introduced the Western world to like Chinese fountain pens, like brands that we otherwise would never have heard about, and. That's, that's when I heard about the um, Moonman M1, which may have been their first model back in 2017. And I really loved the Moonman M1. And the thing is, Moonman M1 was not a copycat of anything. The follow-up pen M2 was not a copycat. The follow-up pen M3 was not a copycat. The follow-up M5 also was not a copycat. So the first few pens they made were all... Uh, more or less original. I mean, you could see inspiration, but that was the same level as any other pen. It's only recently that they have started doing what you might call more sort of controversial pens. And I'm wondering why that is. There. I assume that that is simply what, what the market wants. So, I think Moonman... Moonman is at its best when it experiments with different shapes yeah. and designs. I don't think they're actually actively making the F9 anymore. Mm. 
but I think they're experimenting because um, in the last two years, Moonman has released tons and tons of models. And the models that I remember them specifically copying in the last two years are the M800. Yeah. Uh, this C3. And apparently they made a copy of one of um, Sean Newton's pens. Yeah, that one, sure. there, I mean, people. some people say that that was not actually... That was like an, an open source design, if you will. So, so that, that was yeah. allowed. <laughs> um, so in, in my mind, you know, of the 10 models that Moonman makes, right? Two yeah. models are copies. Yeah. Uh, I think they're at their best when they make stuff like the, uh, the Moonman T1. Yes. Right. That, that, that's amazing. Um, wasn't the T2 like a stipula kind of thing? It was similar, but the filling system was exactly. different. I think material yeah. was different too. Yeah, but it, it closed, but not, I still wouldn't call right. it a copycat. Was a was a different uh, filling mm. system. It was yeah. more like a like a like a Twisby Go. Yeah. So I think they 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 can make really interesting uh, stuff. Yeah. But. Railing against them for for their two copies means that we're not going to get the eight other interesting things, mm. right? Like, if you don't like the that they're copying designs, right? I think a very easy way is to not buy those copy designs. Um, so I don't have an M eight hundred. I don't have I don't have the uh, I have an F nine, but I'm giving it away. Um, but I bought it just to really compare. Mm. With my uh, um, but if you don't like it, you don't have to. You don't have to buy it, but you also don't have to, you know, go on the internet and say mean things about them every single time their name is brought up. Right. Interestingly, though, uh, you know, speaking of Sean Newton, he recently tried to sell yeah. uh, some Moonman pens on an auction, and. Jacob, I think you know more than me on this topic. Yeah, so I found this very interesting thread on FPN. So I think Sean Newton, he is selling various pens on eBay. Not just his own pens, but but pens that people donate to him for like scholarships, uh, I believe. And he's been doing this for a while. But recently, a, a few weeks ago... Uh, when he was trying to sell a Moonman pen among other pens, he got like a takedown notice. Like the, the, the eBay listing was removed, and the explanation given to him was that it, it infringes on some um, uh, trademark. So there was a German company that says they own the trademark uh, Moonman, the Moonman trademark, and it turns out that this company is the company that owns Kawiko. So, so basically, it is Kaweka going after Moonman, and they, there was a lot of the discussion after that in this thread. And what seems to be the case if, is that the company behind Kaweka is trying to prevent people from selling Moonman pens on eBay and Etsy and Amazon by registering Moonman as a trademark in like Europe and. Uh, elsewhere it's it's hilarious because um 
they they not only trademarked Moonman, they also trademarked Wingsong, right? Yeah. So when I saw this, I wondered if if the trademark. Moonman, did they trademark anything else? So I, someone had a link to that um, uh, German website where you could search for uh, trademarks. And I, I typed in a few Chinese names and I found that both Wingsong and D-like were trademarked by the same company a, around the same time. And Wingsong in particular is interesting because that name has been, a, it's not a new new name. But Wingsong is older than the modern Kaweco. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so I don't know what Kaweco is playing at. Uh, I, I think it, it's absolutely insane of them to do this. You know, you. I think this is worse than Moonman copying the pens, right? Like, like you're actually actively trying to take their brand, and I don't think Moonman actually copies. Kaweco products. That's what I'm curious about. Yeah, so I mean, you can make an argument that both D-like and Wingsong, or the hero Wingsong, have made have made pants that look a lot like Kaweco sports pants. But I, I agree with you. I can't remember any Moonman pants uh, that look like Kaweco pants. So either like. I can think of two explanations. Either they know something about how these companies are related, maybe, maybe they are closely related, or um, one thing you often see on Amazon and on, on Etsy is that people just use Moonman and PenBBS. They just add that as a like search keyword for any Chinese right. brand. Right. Right. But yeah. one, one, one result of this that you already see today is that if you go on eBay and you search for Moonman Q1, you won't, might not find much, but they are using a new name, which is you know, the, the Chinese spelling, like Mu, Mu, Mu Jiang. I'm going to botcher the pronunciation, but, but if, you yeah, search for that, yes, if you search for that on eBay now, you're going to find the pens. Yeah. Um. I'm still seeing Moonman. Uh, I, I just searched Moonman fountain pen, and I'm still mm. seeing Moonman. But I just think it's so weird what what they're doing. It, it, it it's it's weird. Like it, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, but you know what? If anybody listening to the podcast has uh, has any information, uh, let me know. Mm. Um, yeah, this is interesting then, for sure. Maybe we should email Moonman. My, my, my Mandarin is a bit rusty. I think you will have to help me with that. <laughs> all right. All right. So, um, you know, we've rambled long enough on, uh, on this. Um, we have a few more topics, but, you know, we are uh, almost out of time. So do you want to talk quickly about Sailor Minis? And I'll talk about the Nagasawa and the Lamy. Sure. Yeah. So Sailor recently announced that they're going to sell a few more Slim Minis. I think they're going to start selling them this month with the Zoom and Music Nib options uh, coming next month. So what is interesting about this announcement is how boring the pens are, right? Because nowadays (laughs) you associate Sailor with like colorful, sparkly, interesting pens. And even their, their standard line of Slim Minis... They have these interesting pastel colors, right? They, had, they first had the first line of pastel colors, and then they had the new Morocco theme, right? Yeah. 
But these new pants, they are in ivory, maroon and black, which are some of the most traditional colors you can imagine. So I'm curious about why they are releasing pants in these colors. Yeah, I, I, I don't really understand it either. It seems a bit off-brand, but maybe this would be better as like a gift product to to non-fountain pen people I'm, I'm just really not sure why they they did that like things like that confused me from from sailor either that or this tells us something that we didn't know about what actually sells right because they have in their standard lineup today they have black pants they have white pants they think they all have, also have maroon pants they've had that for for a while right yeah Maybe those are selling better than we expect. Go gotta go ask the ask the ladies at the the floor. Yeah, have to do that. All right, um, few things really quickly. Nagasawa has announced a new line of inks that mm. um, specifically they said were uh, developed. Uh, the concept uh, was developed and planned by um, by the female staff mm. so it's called the onomatopoeia and it's a, a group of very colorful um, and bright colors that are in the old the the pot bottle except that these are 25 milliliters so i think there's a smaller version of the old bottles Oh, I didn't realize that they were uh, they were smaller. I thought that they were the same, but are, these are smaller. Yeah, I think I saw they were, they were being twenty five milliliters. Um, let me let me check this uh, this website. Well, I I didn't I didn't know. yeah they're twenty five milliliters. You're right. You're right. And they have six colors now. They have. Uh, they have yellow, pink, uh, blue, green, orange, and purple. And they have these whimsical little names like, uh, yellow is kirakira mm. and pink is doki doki. Uh, so it's, it's all of these like little, um, sounds that kind of sound like, um, they're like, they're supposed to be sounds imitate actual sounds in real life yeah but they have stuff like gnocchi gnocchi i'm really not sure what that's <laughs> supposed to sound like i might be some kansai ben here right or or poro poro. i really don't know what that is kira kira is supposed to be the sound of like sparkling right right that's the yellow one and, right yeah but i'm not sure that yellow had like i didn't know that sparkles had sounds <laughs> Yeah, it's an interesting one. Yeah, but anyways, uh, they they have this uh, this new line. I thought it was it was pretty cool. So, but the but the, the colors are kind of boring. But I don't think that really matters. And I think this tells us something about you know the ink market today. No one is going to buy this like sweet sweet ink because this is the perfect shade of blue that they have been looking for forever. Right? They're buying this because it's a fun name and it's a, a cute bottle. Yeah, and that is the genius of Nagasawa. It is, um, it is. 
Okay, last thing to quickly talk about is this uh, Lamy Red. So uh, I follow some accounts on uh, Instagram, some retailers, and Ink House Hong Kong uh, had teased on their stories this red Lamy. So they call it um, Lamy Dialogue 3 Red. Ah, with, with, a, with a special nib. Is that the one? Yes. Oh. It's in Chinese, and it says that it has a special nib that is uh that is cut and ground to write kanji mm. which i think is so interesting because when i look at a close-up of this nib it just looks like a, a, a regular blob of ball nib to me <laughs> but it's interesting because uh you now see that western brands are copying uh sailor in particular, you have Aurora, right? Copying, like straight up copying um, Sailor's Naginata. And, and then was it was Santini too, right? Uh, Santini, uh, Mont Blanc as well. They oh, yes. are developing a calligraphy, quote unquote, calligraphy nib that um, that welds the the tipping on like a fude nib. And... And now Lamy wants in on the game as well. So I, I just found that quite fascinating, uh, and you know, worth worth mention. It's the same retail price as the other, um, as the other Lamy dialogues. So uh, no special markup, but it is at least a Hong Kong exclusive, if not a store exclusive. What is the price again? It's about four thousand Hong Kong dollars. So uh, that's about. 350 US dollars for a Naginata like nib that sounds almost reasonable well you know I've not tried the nib so I right. really can't say the pictures honestly like if you just showed me these pictures mm. I would have said it's a it's a regular nib but, but it, there seems to be a, a trend for sure now. I mean, it takes many forms, but the idea of making a nib that is uh, particularly suitable for like uh, Chinese and Japanese calligraphy, right? That, that yeah. We see more and more of that. Then more recently, even um, Pen BBS, right? All of theirs look more like a traditional architect nib almost. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know... Probably because the the consumer market is you know, one point three billion people in China, so so there is a huge consumer market there. Um, but yeah, we'll have to see if this trend continues. Yeah, and it might be good good news for for nib grinders. M more demand for Naginata like grinds. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. All right. I think that's it for for today. Anything else we want to add? No, I think this is a long but uh, interesting episode. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, thank you everybody so much for tuning in. Again, my name is CY, uh, and you can find me on my website at tokyostationpens.com, on Instagram at tokyostationpens, and on in and on Twitter at tokyostationmnh. And my name is Jacob. I am Fudafan on Instagram and on Twitter, and have a blog at fudafan.com. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.